Grace Family Church of Rhode Island presents Word of Hope, a sermon series with Pastor Luciano Cozzi. Welcome. The Word of Hope sermon series is a ministry of Grace Family Church of Rhode Island. It was instituted to bring sound teachings from the Word of God to as many people as possible. Our purpose is to offer you a message that is both practical and contemporary, that brings the Word of God to light in a way that makes sense in daily life. As you listen to this message, it is our hope and prayer that the Lord will bless you through it and bring you hope, comfort, and guidance. And now, Pastor Kotze. There are many promises in our life that are fulfilled, many that are not. When we look at the promises of the people, oftentimes we find those go unfulfilled. When we look at the promises of God, maybe they are not fulfilled the way we expect them to be, but they are fulfilled. What he says is what it is. There are many gifts in life that we give and receive. Some of them are valued, some of them are not valued, but I hope that we value the gifts that God has bestowed upon us. And it is a gift even just to be able to be here. It is a gift even just to be able to say, Lord, thank you for the part you've given me in your work. The song that we just sang places us in Mary's heart. She had a big part in God's work, but it wasn't the part that she understood. All she knew is that the people around her would be not very good, not very nice with her. But she was grateful and thankful to the Lord for the part that she was privileged to have in God's work. What is my part? What is your part? And how grateful are we for that small part that God has given us to play in his work? In this passage, Mary begins by saying, my soul exalts the Lord. You know, we, we get tired, we get exhausted. Sometimes we feel like we're constantly swimming against the current. Sometimes we feel like this life is one trial after another. And yet, the Lord is present. And in his presence, he changes us. He changes our heart. He changes the way we look at ourselves, the way we look around us, and the way we look at him. As he reveals himself to us, everything changes. It truly is all in all. Mary praised the Lord out of profound gratitude for the privilege of being part of God's great plan. I think we should too. Do we appreciate our gift just as much? And, and, and some, I know in your heart, some of you will say, what gift? What gift are you talking about? Look, first of all, the very fact you are here is a gift. The very fact you are alive is a gift from God. Because let me tell you something. For some of you, if God left it in your hands, you would be in a mess, big mess. But then he's gracious, isn't he? And by the way, you know how I know because I recognize it because I've been there before. Do we appreciate our gift? The gift of being here, the gift of knowing him, the gift of having a new life, the gift of being able to say, like I heard in the last couple of days, someone say, that is so liberating. To know the truth of God, to know what God really does expect from us and what he has given us. I heard this person just 
burst out with all the heart in saying that is so liberating. We're not worshiping a Zeus. We're worshiping God Almighty, the one who gave all. Can you imagine just that concept? How many do you know that are willing to give everything for you? And we're talking about puny people here. We're talking about puny stuff because what they would have to give up and they would have to give, it's really little stuff, isn't it? But the God Almighty who created all the universe, the God who sustains all the universe, the God who owns all the universe, has given all for you. I know, I know. I've heard the questions many times before. So if that's the case, where is he? Where was he when Mary was mocked and put down? He was there. Where was he when everybody refused to give him lodging? He was there. Where was he when the king of kings was born in a stinking cave across the valley from the most sumptuous palace in all of Judea, Herod's fortress? He was there, and he was there for you. Mary says, my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Do we rejoice for the small part that God has given us to be able to contribute, for being able to look past everything and say, how can I express the love of God to you? She said, he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. Mary was not one of the great people of her days, you know that? She had no stature in the world. She was not wealthy, nor did she have any noble status. Her nobility was a nobility of character, a nobility of, a, of the heart. Wealth, well, here it is today, gone tomorrow. A noble status, ask any Roman noble of those days and they will tell you it comes or goes too because it's only a matter of lowering down your guard and someone's going to kill you to take your title from you. But the nobility of character is nothing and no one that can take that away. She said, from this time on all generations will count me blessed not because of her own intrinsic value, not because she was special as a person, better or greater than anybody else, but because of God and his goodness toward her and toward Israel. And you see, that is a parallel between the two here in a moment. By some standards, I could imagine people looking at this statement here. All generations will count me blessed and, and perhaps respond to blessed for what? For being put in trouble? Blessed for the shame that is going to come from this? Blessed for the mocking? I don't know how many of you realize that she was most likely around 14 or 15 years of age. And I look at these words and I say, wow, I know why God chose her. For the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. He has done great things for me, not a selfish statement. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday and the comment was made to, in some sort, in some ways, that God is there for us. And I said, really? Let's break that down for a second. Let's think it through. God is there for me. Are we going to be one of those churches that say, look what God can do for you? Or are we going to be one of those churches that say, come and let us serve the Lord, because he is mighty and awesome and great. He has done great things for me. It's not a selfish statement. It was not intended in that way, however, but it was an acknowledgement that God had chosen her for something of enormous importance. Talk about pressure. Oh, by the way, Mary, within you there's the Savior of the whole world. If something bad happens, if something happens, if you have an accident, the whole world is without a Savior. <laughs> no pressure. 
That baby that you're holding in your hands is the one who's going to save you. And every other human being, by the way, no pressure in terms of what you say and what you do. Those little hands that you're holding are the hands of the one who created the whole universe. Because nothing of what was created was ever made without him. Not with those tiny hands, but those are the hands of the one who did. No pressure in terms of how you hold him. He has done great things in her and for her and through her. And holy and mighty is his name. You know, he's the mighty one. That's an attribute from the Old Testament. And there is a parallel in there, by the way. Because in Deuteronomy, that kind of phrase is used for God bringing Israel out of Egypt. And here in the New Testament in Christ, it's because he's bringing humanity out of slavery to sin. Interesting parallel right there. And on that parallel, she adds, in his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. It's not about herself, is it? No, basically what Mary's message here is, look, take a look at what God has done through someone as little as I am, a little girl out in the countryside. Look at what God has done and think of what God can do for his people. Think of what God can do for all of Israel. Think of what God can do for all of humanity. Think of what God can do for you, but not in a selfish sense. In the sense that God is doing something big here, something huge. Those who fear him, that is a transition from Mary and the blessing of God in her, who's devoted to God, which fearing God, that's what it means, being devoted to him, to all of those who are also devoted to him. And he has done mighty deeds with his arm, and he has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their hearts. So the God's graciousness toward an individual is now parallel to God's graciousness to his people in general. And that includes you, if you're truly in him. Notice the mighty deeds of, with his arms. He's talking about God's might and power. And, and the, the argument here, or, or the statement here, is you look at the certainty of what God has done in the past, and you can project it into the certainty of what God is about to do in the, in the future. Just as one is certain, the other one is certain as well. And you know what? God has kept his promises. And before we close today, I will show you how amazing even that fact is. But then it's, she said something about those who are proud in their, in their hearts, in the thoughts of their hearts. Now, you may be humble outside, or you may be pretend to be humble outside. I may be, pretend to be humble outside, but the heart may be proud inside. Who are those who are proud in the thoughts of their hearts? Those who are the ones that don't fear God, and those who are not devoted to God, those who are not humble and that seem to thrive in their arrogance. And about that, then, she also draws a par an, an antithetical parallelism, as people call it. In fact, if you want the full wording, is an antithetical, chiastic parallelism, which means what? Absolutely nothing to most of us anyway. So what, what does it mean? It simply means that she, she uses a figure of speech that was typical in those days to put one thing, A, contrasted to B, in order to go to another thing that is similar to B and contrasted to A. In case that confuses you still, let me tell you what she said. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. Here's what the parallel is. The rulers are opposed to the humble. 
Now, there may be a ruler that is humble, but she's now working on words. The rulers are the ones who say, I am in charge. I'm in control. Now, let me say, let's be honest. As we approach this season, or we enter the season of Advent, let's be honest with ourselves and with God, because we all said that. We're all control freaks in one way or the other. But the ruler is the one that says, I'm in control. I'm in charge. I'm in charge of my life. I'm in charge of you, or whatever. But that's opposed to humility, because the humility is the one who would, humble person would be the one who says, how can I help? Because you see, do this because I'm in charge. It's not humility, is it? How can I help is humility, expressed in the love of God. But then humility sometimes is equated with hunger, because the person who is humble, and that's where the parallel begins, you see, the person who is humble oftentimes is a person who is giving. And if you are giving, sometimes you don't take for yourself. And if you don't take for yourself, sometimes you experience hunger. And that is in opposition to being rich. But wait, wait, don't dismiss it at the physical level. Because I remember the Lord at one point say, Blessed are you if you are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. See, the humble is hungry, yeah, but not just hungry because he may not be getting as much as the, the, the proud people get. No, he's also hungry for what is right. Because in my choice, or your choice, if you're humble, to say, how can I help? You're hungry to see the other person prosper. You crave to see the other person helped. And that's contrasted with the rich who says, I don't need you. I got everything I need. I have everything I want. Man, it's interesting, the conversations I had yesterday, because I had another conversation yesterday about that, when people say things about the power of God. So I asked the question. I asked a question, and I said, when you think of the power of God, what do you think about? Take a moment. And you know what the answer was? Miracles. Of course. That's where the power of God is manifest, right? Wrong. Very wrong. The power of God is manifest in his love. The power of God is his love. And if you think it through, you will see that the power for miracles is not a big deal. But the power of a love of an individual who refuses to live for himself and gives all of himself for you is powerful. It's huge. Especially when that one is the one who rules everything. And then she continues. She says, he has filled the hungry with good things. Send away the rich empty-handed. <laughs> he has filled the hungry. Are you hungry for righteousness? You're going to be filled. Are you hungry for the love of God? You're going to be filled. Are you hungry to see your brother and your sister blessed? You'll be filled. But if you're a rich, I don't need you. You'll walk out empty-handed. If you're rich of yourself in, sense, in the sense of, hey, I need you because you exist for me, because I am the most important person in the universe, and you are here to serve me, you walk out empty-handed. you got to love God, especially when it comes up with statements such as, if you find your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my name's sake, you'll find it. And you'll find a life that is really life, and you'll find a life that doesn't end. She continues, he says, she says, He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham for his, and his descendants forever. See the parallel? Because God, through the angel, has spoke to, spoken to her. Now she says, he has given to Israel. He has spoken 
to our Father and their descendants forever. What does it mean, though, in remembrance of his mercy? It means in order to remember his mercy and his graciousness, it means God has given to Israel because God had promised to be merciful and gracious with Israel. And so in remembrance of the promise, God has now extended to Israel what he promised. He spoke, talks about his faithfulness that is attributed to the fulfillment of his promises. You think, you think of yourself, you think of me, you think of one another, and we think about, oh yeah, I told my wife I was going to fix that sink that is not draining properly and haven't done it yet. Let me tell you something about the promises of God. They're a little, a little more and a little bigger than the ones that we may be thinking about. There are 456 promises in the Old Testament about Messiah. There are 456 prophecies in the Old Testament about Messiah. 600 students got together to calculate the odds of just 48, only 48 of the 456 promises that had been fulfilled in one person. And 600 students calculated the odds of just 48 of these promises or prophecies being fulfilled by one person and the result was the, the, of the odds are 1 in 10 to the 157 power. 1 over that number that you see there. That's how picky God is about keeping his promises to you. But listen, the work of those 600 students in, in a university have been, has been checked by scholars and mathematicians and they found it to be accurate. However, there is so much to, to evaluate because this is just 48, but the promises fulfilled in Messiah are 456. And I don't know if we have enough room in this room to write the number that, that will be under that fraction line. It's staggering. But that's what God thinks about keeping his promises to you. Not one jot, not one tittle will pass away that is not fulfilled. And it was fulfilled in Christ. And it was fulfilled in Christ for you. And that gift, the fulfillment of the promises given to the fathers, to the patriarchs, that was fulfilled in the birth of Jesus Christ, that was fulfilled in his life and in his death and in his resurrection. Isn't that a precious gift in itself? And the fact that God has called every single one of us to join Mary and have a part, a part in his plan. Isn't that awesome? Can you imagine the importance of that moment when Mary gave birth to this child, or any moment around that? Can you imagine the importance of that? Because if you can, then you can also imagine the importance of your moment. And your moment comes when you say, yes, Lord, your will be done, not my own. Your will be done. Amen.